Big Finish for the love of stories. You're listening to the Big Finish podcast, release date Sunday the 2nd of July 2023. Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. Teague and Javanka intoned this rhyme, familiar to most of those who had passed their childhood on the planet Earth in the 20th century, while looking at the TARDIS scanner screen, which was in fact showing not one little twinkling star, but a multitude. "'It's not like you to wax poetic,' said the alien she knew as the Doctor. "'That's poetry,' said Adric, who was, of all impossible things, a boy from another universe. "'Up above the world so high, like a dewdrop in the sky,' It's diamond, I think, said the doctor, but I like Dewdrop, inspired. Inspired, see? Tegan stuck her tongue out at the far-travelled boy. So there, clever clogs. Hello to all of you. I'm Benji Clifford. He's Nick Briggs. This is Big Finish. Audiobooks, audio drama and this podcast. All for the love of stories. In a moment, Benji and I will be chatting with Big Finish producers Heather Challens and John Ainsworth and our lovely war doctor Jonathan Carley, three of my favourite people. Hello! Hey. Hello! Hello to all of you at home, or on the bus, <laughs> or wherever you consume your podcasts. Hello. <laughs> it's a party! It is. We've even got uh, one of those weird hedgehogs with bits of pineapple and cheese on. It's marvellous. And a wide selection of crisps. Oh, lovely. Well, after that, it'll be time, of course, for the Good Review Guy, reviewing the reviews of The Night Doctor Adventures, Back to Earth, starring Christopher Eccleston. Who are you? Me, I'm the Doctor. Then we go behind the scenes with the latest Doctor Who audio novel release narrated by the rather brilliant Matthew Waterhouse. It's entitled Prisoners of London, and it's released this Wednesday, the 5th of July. Classic Doctor Who is an alien character. Following that, it'll be time for listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com. Always entertaining, sometimes surprising, never upsetting. Your views and comments delivered onto our screens for us to read out. Beautifully explained. Uh, Then we're just going to have a sneaky peek into the future for Big Finish, reminding you of the future audio drama releases that have been announced so far. It's a busy month ahead. James Robert McCrimmon. Then the randomoid Selectatron will once again be delivering a random release with a 25% discount skillfully attached to it by Big Finish content manager Jackie Emery. So far, it's an unknown quantity. So let's time jump to that very moment when we know what it is. You'll be sent for full data extraction. And finally, as always, we round off the podcast with a free 15-minute tease. And this week it is, of course, from the Doctor Who audio novels, Prisoners of London, written and read by Matthew Waterhouse. The Doctor raised his head and looked for a second as if he might burst into song. Instead, he began to recite. Twinkle, twinkle, little bat, how I wonder what you're at. Up above the world you fly, like a tea tray in the sky. Lewis Carroll, you'd have admired him, Adric, a brilliant mathematician from Earth. Nice man, deeply imaginative, rather strange. It seems all mathematical so-called geniuses are rather strange, said Tegan. 
Welcome, Heather, John and Jonathan. Since it's a party atmosphere here and was, at least until today, a lovely summer, <laughs> it's all gone wrong. Who knows what the weather would be like on Sunday when this is released. What is it that makes you all most happy about Doctor Who and most happy generally? Who's going to leap in first about Doctor Who? Oh, wow. That's a big question, isn't it, though? It is. We're starting existential. Brilliant. (laughs) It's a big podcast party. I mean, I suppose for me, it's, it's, it's inevitably linked into nostalgia because it's always been there, you know? Mm. And um, so even watching, you know, modern day Doctor Who, Jodie Whittaker, you know, uh, David Tennant, whatever, that's still sort of tapping into what I felt when I first watched, you know, Patrick Troughton and John Pertwee and Tom Baker. So it evokes those feelings from childhood. I mean, that's not completely it, of course. You know, it's, you know, you, you get involved in the stories and excited about that. But that's, I think that's definitely part of it. Well, you've rather beautifully answered the question why, but I mean, what is there a specific bit of Doctor Who that, you know, that makes you the happiest? In terms of the type of thing that happens or the type of story? For whatever reason. Oh, God, I don't know. I mean, I get, ex- Who, I get excited seeing things inside the TARDIS for some reason. Uh, <laughs> Even so, now, you know. Yeah, um, me too. <laughs> whichever TARDIS, bizarrely. Uh, yes, it's sort of special, isn't it? I think one of the, one of the moments that I've most enjoyed from modern Doctor Who was um, when Amy first goes into the TARDIS at the end of the 11th hour. Oh. Uh, yeah. which I thought was quite beautifully done. And we hadn't seen that TARDIS, you know, it was new for the audience as well as for her. And the music and just her reaction to it and the Doctor was pulling all the levers and everything. I just thought that was beautifully done and really quite magical, actually, and I, I, I loved that. It was oh, wonderfully built nice. up, wasn't it? The whole episode, you were really yeah. waiting to get in that box. And it was, I think it was really exciting as well because it was the first time with the new series that we had a new TARDIS both yeah. inside and outside and of so that was, even yeah. f- for fans I think it was yeah. even even more of a, a sort of because you're there thinking oh, this is it like yeah, oh, everyone know. else had that moment that had only jumped on with the first uh, for, with the new series for the first time they got that they got their new new TARDIS oh. <laughs> yes yeah, they became one of us. <laughs> yeah. I always I always quite like the moment where a, a companion really gets to sort of savor the moment where it's like their first alien planet or their first trip into the past or just you know just the idea of stepping out into the TARDIS and being somewhere completely magical and new and sort of realizing that it's all real I think that yeah they, they were always quite special to yeah. me yeah 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 well, I mentioned to you all before we started recording that I watched Colony in Space last night. Not all of it <laughs> uh, yet. Um, I'll finish it tonight. Uh, you know, and when Joe yeah. first realises she's not on Earth, she's really terrified. Yeah. It, and it's, it's quite a, an interesting scene, that. Yeah, because it's not the reaction you necessarily expect, mm. um, which is quite, I suppose... I mean, we, we, we're all familiar with the new series being quite emotionally uh, sophisticated and, and, and in tune, but it's quite a, a bold choice for back then to say, actually, this could be a lot for someone to process. It's not quite the idealistic um, thing that we know it to be um, now. Yes, but, it's more celebratory now, isn't it? It's more like, yeah. wow, new experience is incredible. But back in the 70s, nobody wanted new experiences. Mm. <laughs> and it gives Joe somewhere to go, that journey of, of coming round to it. 
Yeah. Um, she says, so please take me back really. to Earth, I think she says. She doesn't even want to step outside. Yeah, I've had enough. Let's go now. Which is what takes you surprised with a, with a character like Joe, who's who, you know, you sort of think of as really optimistic and uh, welcoming new experiences and, and new perspectives to have her suddenly be quite afraid. It also reminds you how young she is. Yeah. Mm, yeah. She really She actually says to him, I'm I'm a bit scared, Doctor, when he's saying, Should we just go up there and have a look? You know, she's like, I think we can go now, you know. I went to an alien planet and I saw some rocks and a flower and then I went home. That was <laughs> enough for me. And the episode <laughs> ended there. But I'd be scared if, if somebody said go out that door, it's an alien planet, I'd be absolutely terrified. I'd be like, Oh my goodness, what? Yeah. Well, I just mainly need uh, reassurance that certain leading political figures weren't there, and I'd jump straight <laughs> in. <laughs> Even if it did look like a quarry, so... Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and a muddy one at that, you know, there's lots of fights in the mud in... Uh, in oh, yeah, yeah, well, lot, clay, clay, Terry Walsh it? nearly yeah, drowns, yeah. doesn't he? <laughs> is, is that what happened? Well, yeah, because they, they had this um, torrential rain and this clay pit had just turned into a swamp. So in that fight scene towards the end, uh, you see that Terry Walsh either get, gets his head dunked and nearly drowns, or, or yeah. someone else does, and it's like, Ooh, okay, yes, that's right. health and safety. That's, that's the seventies. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they, they just they just yeah got on with it, didn't yeah. they? Get uh, Terry Jonathan, <laughs> Jonathan, you haven't specified a, a particular thing about Doctor Who that makes you happy yet. Oh uh, well, I think it's well, Doctor Who came into my life at a, at a tricky time. And again, when we were talking before, saying it, it finds people. And with me, it was a time when it wasn't on the air, before it came back. Um, but only recently have I w figured out sort of what it was that sort of caught me. And it was the idea that anyone is worthy of being saved and anyone is worthy of being a hero. Oh, that's Even lovely. the bad guys sometimes, mm. because mm. they can learn, they can develop, they can grow. And everyone is deserving of adventure and experience and that to me is just the core ethos of it of its of the whole thing and um yeah and it's changed my life and i think it's changed a great deal of people's yeah. lives yeah. any particular story scene or moment or uh, i mean i mean i'm i'm singing to the choir here but death to the daleks was my first <laughs> come on and i think <laughs> go team go team in uh, in sort of the the broader scheme of things, like they've just done the the poll in uh, Doctor Who magazine, and it's become sort of underrated. I believe is what people yeah, generally yeah. say. But I think the it's fools. it's underratedness <laughs> makes it even more special, even more. If you can find things to love in the stories that are lesser loved, I think that makes it even more special. You have to work for it a little bit. Not that you have to work for Death of the Daleks, because with me and for many people, it's unconditional. Yeah. But the fact that even something as um, not as highly regarded as that can still be damn good. You can yeah. still have a jolly good time with that. And it's got Bilal. It's yeah. got Bilal. The king. The king. It gives the gift of Bilal. Fight it, Bilal. Is, uh, yeah, I think sums the whole thing up. He's a little sort of timid creature. Yeah. But he's the hero in the end. Yeah, he saves great. the day. Yeah, yeah, and you know, that's I think that's the core of the message, really. We love brought that background. <laughs> I'll nice, tell you something nice. just quickly because mm. this is a great opportunity to bring this up. Um, I saw something on Facebook the other day that actually made me think about this story. You know, in the opening where you see the stone 
uh, Exelon. Oh, it's David Howe asked this yeah. question, didn't he? What was he? that yeah, all yeah. about? Because it was never resolved. He said, yeah, it, it was like a damning criticism from... Did anyone ever explain the petrified <laughs> life forms at the beginning? I mean, I've never no. thought about it. they're just I like the just, petrified you know, forest in the Daleks, aren't yeah. they? It's Terry Nation just... You think, I think I'll put scary. some petrified things yeah. around. It probably was a petrified forest until Terence Dix told him to change it from being a jungle because I think he'd written another story set in a jungle. Again. He did that last year. <laughs> oh, it's a petrified spoon then. Uh, yeah, they've got, to go, they've got to go there, come back and then go in again um, nine times. Um, Heather, did you mention a specific moment or story? You very beautifully encapsulated what you like. Oh, gosh. Well, it's, it's strange listening to sort of John and and you guys talk about nostalgia because I definitely feel a sense of nostalgia, but obviously my sense of nostalgia is towards modern Who. Yeah, um, yeah. last week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and but you are a quarter of a century old now. I am. I yes, as of yesterday. Well, not yesterday <laughs> when this podcast goes out. Yeah, I'm 25. Um, Belated happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> Well, well done. Um, she was served by a robot on her birthday. I was. I was. It was a very nice dinner. Um, and, it really was but a robot. Yeah, specific, specific scene. I mean, yeah, as you say, Amy going into the TARDIS for the first time is a little mm. bit magical. And and even though I don't... It's not one of my most highly rated episodes, probably, but um, The Rings of Akaten with the 11th Doctor and... Clara, because the 11th Doctor was sort of my Doctor, her sort of stepping out and seeing the rings of Akatem for the first time is quite magic. And I also just really like the idea of an alien market and <laughs> like the idea of just sort of being plunged in, into it and seeing something that's quite normal because it's a market, markets are everywhere, but it's full of aliens and there's alien goods and alien food and alien money and different languages being spoken and and just yeah that i always thought was was quite pretty and and That's quite nice. enticing uh, could i direct you to sword of orion which features a, a big alien bazaar <laughs> <laughs> who wrote that one yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how many years ago was that oh benji oh again i mean I, well, I was going to say Death to the Daleks, but I mean, it's you anything... You can say that. It's anything That's Dalek a rule in this podcast. <laughs> you can say Death to the Daleks as many times as you I like. I mean, that first And Bilal episode. will not appear, you know. It's not <laughs> yeah. like Candyman oh. if you say it three times. <laughs> I wish he would. I'll tell you one thing, and I, I think I've mentioned it before. Uh, something that really filled me with joy was I remember uh, UK Gold doing Dalek Day. And I remember a whole day of the Daleks and it was a, a chance, it was a real nerdy chance to get out your, your book and say, right, what ones haven't I seen and can I tape them? What and was I your book? Um, I had a little notebook, you know. I did oh, have right. the Doctor. I had the Doctor Who 40th anniversary book as well, which was awesome. Um, but um, something that I, it's not so much a specific memory as a feeling. But I love those longer stories like Planet of the Daleks and, um, you know, you've got things like Planet of the Spiders, uh, Silurians, what stories that are very long and you feel like you can really get entrenched in the story and the experience. You feel like you're there more so than like a like a 45 minute story. I just love that idea when you're slap bang in the middle of like a six parter and you know that you've still got you've still got pretty much the same amount of time to go. And I love the, those feelings of those lazy days where it will take you 
you know a good part of a you know good good part of a working day to watch a whole doctor who story and i just love that because it feels mm. it feels like you're going on an actual adventure and i really yeah. felt that as a kid like mm. watching planet of the daleks when they're just going through the jungle and it's all there's just something about it and yeah. even even you know when they're just standing around talking about scaro and you know and in the second act where they've gone in and come back again um <laughs> i just love that it's that feeling you know i think it was that have to go back i have to go back again um but it's that thing I, I think we're all deep down we're not so much when we look nostalgia i think we're not so much going back for a memory of something we're going back for how something made us feel yes yeah. and i really that's totally how it made that. me feel of just yeah. that excitement yeah it's yeah lovely i can't I mean, I could just name a million things, but John, you talking about TARDIS scenes. Yes. Really good point, actually. There was always, I think a lot of the time, especially for people of, I, I hesitate to say our generation, John, because you are a little bit younger than me. So I don't <laughs> want to make you feel as ancient as I am. Um, but uh, I'm comfortable. The, That's what <laughs> bless you, bless you. <laughs> um, that there, uh, there were whole periods of time on the show when the TARDIS interior wasn't shown. No. Mm. Like um, Tom Baker's first and, season and, didn't feature the TARDIS. And the Poetry Years in particular. I mean, there's yeah, there yeah. St stories that it's not even mentioned, like the demons and things like that, you know. And um, yeah, which was, I, you, that made you want it even more, wasn't it? I mean, so something like Colony in Space was incredibly exciting when it came along because we were going to see yeah. inside the TARDIS. Uh, we were going to see inside the Master's TARDIS as well, even yeah. though it was the Doctor's one. Painted a slightly different colour. very exciting. And, you know, and the fact that the Master's TARDIS could still t change. Anything to do with that, I always thought was really exciting and stuck in my memory for some reason. But, uh, sorry. Well, well, and that's why um, uh, when you think of uh, the first Tom Baker season, that was a lot of travelling around. They did it by time ring and yeah. teleporting and all Transmatting, sorry. Um, but uh, there was, in a lot of um, Tom Baker stories, he sort of went into the TARDIS and then came out of it, but you didn't go in with no, no. him. But so that moment in Planet of Evil, yeah. where you go into the TARDIS for the first time with Tom Baker's Doctor, I, I find that really exciting. And, it feels and like also, a privilege, doesn't it, that you've been yeah. let in? Yes, and also and that beautiful scene in Pyramids of Mars oh. as well, when the the TARDIS goes out of control and the noise yeah. of the TARDIS, that howling yeah. in the background, yeah. shivers, shivers. Those are the only two yeah. stories that that particular TARDIS interior was used, wasn't it? That's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah then they went so. to the wooden one, yeah, secondary control room. <laughs> yes, I never felt quite comfortable with that. No, thank goodness it got warped between yes. seasons. That's the only reason they didn't use it anymore. When they when they went to put it out again, it would all it had all bent slightly, hadn't it? Yeah. Yes, that's right. Um, but that, that Pyramids of Mars one that that I just can hear the music of that scene. I don't necessarily mean the incidental music. I just mean the way they talk. You know, like when Sarah says, "If you don't like being unit scientific advisor, you can always resign." Da -da, the music yeah. goes, you know. I, I told you about when I had that on VHS, and it was a second-hand VHS, yeah. and that, at that exact moment, the VHS got, went all fuzzy and, and weird, <laughs> and it was it was so perfect. It was it was just a joy. 
unfortunately the rest of it it just got progressively worse and so <laughs> i never watched it but yeah um, and they introduced the idea in that story and abandoned it afterwards that when the tardis landed they bobbed the camera oh, yeah, down wobble. to make it sort oh, yeah. of <laughs> and it's one of the only ones when the police box has the, has the windows lit up inside oh, yes. the only times they did that in the classic series and when they land on Mars, you can see Tom and Bernard Archard and, and, and Liz like crouching down so their shadows don't flow <laughs> <go> through. <laughs> it's not real. Yeah. Oh, God. What? Yes. But of course, the bouncing of the camera was out of time to the sound effect as well, unfortunately, which I was appalled when I finally saw it again. I listened to the audio of it over and over again. I thought, oh, that's amazing, that jong jong noise it just made. You know. <laughs> Every time they show the TARDIS lurch or wobble like that, you just kind of think, God, all the stuff you're going to have to pick up afterwards <laughs> yeah. in all the other rooms. It's just going to be chaos. How annoying would that get, get after a oh. while? Oh, and that TARDIS model in space as well, being jigged around <laughs> on a piece of thing. <laughs> it's it's funny oh, how there are so many top. sort of stupid little things that you remember that uh, that make an impact on you. It's like, you know, Tomb of the Cybermen. The fact that the tar that TARDIS scene is beautiful anyway, but the fact that it's really echoey in there for yeah, some reason, film. Yeah, and it's yeah. shot yeah. on film. Like I don't understand, but I love it. Yeah, <laughs> it has no reason to be, but it look it feels all the better for it. Oh, it really I bet does. the um, I bet it was to do with studio allocation space. They oh, yeah, worked out that they didn't have sets, enough room they? to put yeah. a TARDIS set mm. in, but they had they had enough film allocation to go and shoot it at Ealing, yeah. so they thought, we'll do it there then. And it's only in the one scene, so there wouldn't be much point yes, having it for maybe. the studio, the whole, uh, the whole shoot. As a, as a former uh, design allocations person, John, at the BBC, <laughs> does that sound like a it, convincing experience? It sounds certainly possible, yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah okay. something like that. <laughs> <laughs> now, let's go on to the general happiness. I don't want to get too deep. General, general, now. general Happiness. Hello, I'm General Happiness here. Um, you will brig- be happy and like it. <laughs> he's the Brigadier's superior, yeah. <laughs> Stop being so miserable, Brigadier. Um, yeah, what makes you, you generally happy? What's the thing, if you can isolate one thing that really always does the trick for you? Mm, gosh. Keep it clean. <laughs> <laughs> I'm for well, me... It's being part of something and being accepted as part of something. And that is directly and indirectly linked to, you know, yeah. what we do here and, and joining the finish uh, and that. But I think it's a big part of the reason why I've got into the industries because you're working with other creatives that have open minds and aspiring to do things. And if they like you, all the better. And that, that gives me such a... a, a it's a feeling I can't really describe, but it's so profound, and I just feel so lucky and fortunate to be around those people. And having just mm. been down recording this week, it's uh, sort of the buzz that's around, and that everyone is everyone is doing their own thing. But it's also interesting what you're doing too. That just delights yeah. me, no end. I mean, slightly like that, I'll, because I sense people are quite struggling here to come up with an answer, because <laughs> clearly you're all so miserable. Um, <laughs> But uh, that's unfair. It's not true. So I was joking, listeners. Um, uh, friends. I don't oh, mean well, the, the TV the, show. I was going to say the TV show. I was a confession. Friends fan. Well, I, I have watched it because there was a rule, I think, in the 90s that everyone had to, <laughs> um, whether they liked it or not. No, but Friends in general, actually, that's... Mm. That's the most, uh, like, I got really excited today, you know, when I remembered 
<laughs> too late in the day that, that we'd said we'd invite lots of people on the podcast today. And, uh, you yeah. were so excited so thought, sending oh, out those emergency WhatsApps. Yeah, please come along if you can. No pressure. It doesn't matter if you can't. I don't want you to feel bad. I'll be <laughs> no, sitting in the nice. corner crying, yeah. but it'll be fine. Fre- friends meeting up with friends, getting, yeah. you know, Shared experiences yeah. and yeah, yeah, and it's a kind of reaffirmation, isn't it? It's what you were talking about, Jonathan, as well. A sort of affirmation of yeah. of your worth, and I think that if you've got good friends, that's mm. that's what friends do to each other all the time. Yeah. Um, and everyone's on a journey together, in yeah. some way or another. Comforting. Who's going to say candy floss? <laughs> <laughs> Benji, <Not>. I reckon. <laughs> I can tell you what I'll say is it's it's not as deep as anything else because I was. Is it crisps? I was anti- it could be crisps. It's close to crisps. <laughs> it's, I mean, curry. pickled onions are, are high on my Obviously, list. I mean, we we love you know friends, family. Um, I have to say, curry and music. There you go. Two. I said curry. If, that, <laughs> you know, you if, if, if you're talking, curry. I don't if, know why. If you're, if, if you're oh, talking about curry, something yeah. that's like you know, it never it never fails. That yeah. that combination never fails. You you just. Give me a curry, stick a record on. Discovery is, okay, discovery. I like discovering new things, be that new, new music, curries. New, new curries, curries new, new television programs. New uh, beers. You know, I love, I love it I'm when always somebody, sending you photographs of new cans of beer, aren't I? <laughs> well, that, but uh, like things as well, like if somebody recommends something to me, like if, like if you, Nick, for example, say, oh, um, here's a program that you might not have seen. And it will be something incredibly obscure that I've never heard of. And then you, because Nick's, you're great at this because you'll say, I remember watching this when I was, you know, 14 years old and I wasn't sure about it then, but I'm watching it now and it's brilliant. Um, Things like that. I get very excited in delving in and discovering things. You're particularly thinking of the intruder, aren't you? Is that what it's called? Well, that's certainly on my list of, that's yeah. certainly on my list. That's you know, you introduced me to, um, to Public Eye. Um, oh, which yeah. is just what a program you know it's one of my favorite that's such a comfort program now sit down and watch that with a cup of it's tea it's about a private detective isn't it yeah 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 uh, peter davison is a big fan of that series as well you know really um, i'm not surprised yeah, he said to me he said if you ever do audio of that i'm playing frank marker all right <laughs> you know he was just absolutely isn't that the one where frank skinner said that he wanted to be <laughs> i think Mark. frank skinner wanted to be frank uh, yeah they can yeah. take it in turns. Yeah. <laughs> what Peter liked about it, and what I like about it too, is you know because Peter's so interested in acting that he said he just loves the way they just hold the camera on him doing virtually nothing for a lot of the time. You'll have whole scenes where um, Alfred, what was the actor's name? Alfred, Alfred Burke. Alfred Burke. Thing. Oh. He would he would just come into his office start to make a cup of tea, the phone would ring, he'd worry about the kettle boiling while he was on the phone, and then he'd start wanting to make a note, couldn't find a pencil, the kettle would boil, oh, and it's whistling and he has to take it off the little flame and all that. And it would just be that, and there'd be nobody else in the scene. And he'd go, yeah, yeah, hold on, hold on, you know, and then realise there's no milk and have to rush into the other room and get it. And it's just stuff like that, and they don't make drama like that anymore. And it was just... You know, shot like that continuously in studios. Uh, yeah, beautiful. It's slow anyway, television, which I is comforting in itself, isn't it? That yeah. just that level of the pace. It's just there's something rather charming about it. Come on, then, more general happiness. Curry, definitely, Benji. Yeah. It's a it's a winner. Curry, curry music, with friends. Good, good telly. Curry with friends. Listening to good music or watching good television. I mean, 
that's a combination that money can I feel like we should be buy. having a virtual curry right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Here come the Papadoms. <laughs> I bet you you're going to be coming over here at some point before 100%. both of us die. Uh, to uh, to have a curry and watch stuff and yeah, yeah it'd be great. oh the dream Jamie the Anderson dream. and I get so excited about curry <laughs> that we actually make noises like this <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be so good no you choose no you choose no and Jamie orders and then the waiter says you do know there are only two of you don't you mind you finding a good curry house. It, that is consistently brilliant. It's difficult. Oh, we've got a great one here. Oh, we've it's just got a won an award. But they don't always last. Like the chef will change. Have you noticed that sometimes? The chef changes. You think, well, oh, I think they're now we'll have to leave that one for a while and move to, <laughs> move to another place. Wait for them to earn their stripes. And- yeah. <laughs> You've introduced a whole level of stress into my life now. <laughs> because the one I go to, it didn't used to be good. Ah. Uh, and I was talking to someone randomly the other day about it, and it's someone in, in this town, and that. And she said to me, it's got really good recently, hasn't it? I said, yes, yes. And then I noticed there was an award up there the last time I went last week. Uh, yeah. uh, you've got to make sure that chef stays on. Otherwise, you know, could be could be a sad occasion. Do you guys always go for the same curry or do you like change it up? Because in our house, you can probably guess the, the curry order verbatim. Like my dad always has the same exact thing. <laughs> um... I mostly stick to the same couple of different dishes that I alternate, but that's the joy of going with Jamie Anderson. It, that's why I let him order because he surprises me and he goes, he "No, we'll have you. some of this. Have you ever had this one?" No, 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 you'll discovery. love it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it depends what mood you're in. Is if you if you wanted just that that bottled up happiness and comfort, go for the same thing. If you if some nights you're feeling risky, you might think, "Oh, yeah, yeah, I might." I but I'll always go for like. What I will always go what I consider to be relatively not authentic, but I'm not really gonna go for like a vindaloo because it doesn't really feel like real curry. It might be, but it doesn't Do you know what I mean? It's like it's just like this extreme like the one that when somebody says I like hot curry. Oh I and see. then you know, I don't know. I'll but have then, the hottest curry what you've got and some of them big crisps. This <laughs> <laughs> is what a, a friend of mine used to tell me about what his brother used to say. Big crisps, he means poppadoms. Big crisps. Well, they are big crisps. But from then on, every time I went into uh, an Indian restaurant, I would sni- start sniggering and people wouldn't know why. And I'd just be sitting there going, big crisps. But <laughs> so there's an idea. A salt and vinegar, cheese and onion, ready salted, sized poppadom. <laughs> I did once think it would be hilarious on stage in a play called The Unexpected Guest by Agatha Christie when I was playing the dead body for the first 20 minutes of the show um, and uh, there was an actor who later what's his name who's, who used to be in Death in Paradise Chris Marshall Chris Marshall was on stage and the 20 minutes when I'm just meant to be dead with him because Chris Marshall loves an audience uh, was it, it reached 45 minutes I had to sit there completely no. still and silent and I went through levels of madness <laughs> not being able to because you know I'm quite a twitchy active person and having to sit still and not say anything and not do anything luckily I'm facing upstage away from the audience but what happened at the end of the scene is the entire cast you hear them and then they come running on and they discover the dead body me see uh, and so I thought it would be funny one night because we'd all been joking in the company about hottest curry what you've got and big crisps I put a sign on myself that only they'd be able to see that said 
big crisps. <laughs> and I thought they'll all come on and they're meant to react shot and they'll all laugh and that'll be a yeah. jolly, j- jolly <laughs> jape. But what I realised about five seconds before they entered is that it wasn't them who was going to laugh. It was me. because because the anticipation of it being funny really got to me and I couldn't control myself so they came on and there I was meant to be dead with my shoulders jigging up and down this twitching corpse (laughs) and they're all looking at me like you idiot (laughs) which was quite right John John yes Happiness? Did you oh, happiness. Well, I'll be a bit... John Les, I remember that. Um, <laughs> I'll be a bit deeper, I'm afraid. Because uh, mm. I think it's the only way I can answer it. Is that uh, a pudding in a curry house? Small crisps. <laughs> no, nothing to do with curries, or as much as I love them. But uh, real happiness, uh, f- for me, or now, is, is sort of being happy in the moment, comfortable in the moment, not wanting anything to be different. Mm. Um so I suppose that's the same as contentedness, but I think there's happiness and contentedness. You know, appreciating what we have, not wanting more. I mean, that all sounds like something, you know, you Buddhist. just read on the internet. Well, it is Buddhist, you know. It is Buddhist, a, isn't it? Know. It's not being slave to the past, anything in the past that up, could upset yes. you, and not worrying about what might happen next. And that's what you right. haven't got. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and recognising that most of our suffering, if not all of it, comes from resisting where we are right this moment wanting things to be different you know so if you can because 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 all that's all suffering and feeling uncomfortable that's all inside us it's not you can say oh i'm i'm unhappy because it's raining you know well it's nothing to do with someone could be happy because it's raining so it's obviously not intrinsic to the rain yeah it's because it's your perception of it you know so if you can look at your perception of things and you know and of course we've got much to be comfortable and happy about you know i don't live in a mansion house but i do live in a house and it's comfortable and it's warm when it needs to be warm and you know and i can eat and if you have all those basic needs met there's a lot to be happy about really so john you've solved everything (laughs) that's very uplifting very uplifting. that's brilliant sorry not funny but not not you know nice uh, well not everything has to be funny no i (laughs) know Or does it? (laughs) (laughs) That's brilliant, isn't it? Have I left anyone, uh, you know, who has something to say that we haven't heard? I think Heather, it's your turn, isn't it, to, to fully? Did you, oh, you haven't done a yeah, general no, happiness. No, no, I just got. You I'm, contributed I'm lost to the curry the conversation. Curry tangent, yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm being that kid that says, uh, "Sir, you haven't set any homework for Heather." <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't really know how to. Uh, Follow John's. Um, <laughs> Just repeat what he said verbatim. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the only thing that's really sort of coming to mind is is laughter, because I think it's very hard to think about anything else when you're laughing, and it's very hard mm. to feel any other emotion than happiness when you are laughing. Yeah. If it's a proper, proper sort of tears in your eyes laughter then then that moment is kind of worth it i think yeah uh, and that and that lovely. kind of feeds into what everyone has said about spending time with friends about yeah. uh feeling part of a community or or you know i mean studio days we always laugh so much <laughs> yeah. it's it's mm-hmm. frankly ridiculous um 
but yeah, and also yeah, being happy in in a moment and being at peace with what you've got is just it all comes around to smiling and laughter for me. Well, that's lovely. Yeah. I, by the way, Heather, I've just seen the video, the rough cut of the video oh, for the last God. third doctor we recorded, and there is a lot of laughter going on there, <laughs> and everyone is talking yeah, about. Is that just a- guest actors are going? It's a bit crazy here. Everyone's laughing so much. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, there's like a whole five minute video of Tim just trying to get a green screen to fold down isn't it? oh i know yeah and at the end he's triumphant he says the doctor beats aliens <laughs> yeah, no. yeah big finished uh, taskmaster is it uh, yeah. <laughs> yes that would be amazing brilliant well thank you all so much um for joining us today and encapsulating uh, everything that you feel is is um well, it's just made me feel very happy to have you all. Same, yeah. yeah. And it's lovely that we've been able to share that with each other. Yeah. Yeah. And now I really want a curry. <laughs> <laughs> Let's all go get a curry, shall we? It's, it's new. I would, just, I would just add that, Heather, for you, I was recording a load of Berserker Daleks yesterday. <laughs> I've been and they laugh a lot. Yeah. And that didn't make me feel happy at all. No, to be, to be fair. That's that's Bang. a little what's bit. What's a Dalek? What's a Dalek laugh like? Go Very on, well, the Berserker Daleks are sort of like this, It's like Tommy Cooper. Not like that. Exterminator. And so, and I, every time I turned the page, and it said, "Laughing, screaming, pain, more <laughs> laughter, more." And I thought, "Who wrote this, Catherine Armitage?" <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, thank you very much for that. Yes. Yes. Well, uh, may I bid you all farewell? Thank you very much. Thank it's been you. A joy. Oh, thank you, yes. Nick. Lovely, lovely to have you all here, and it's it's uplifted my day, and I hope listeners, it's uplifted yours. Yes. Yeah. So I'm going to take this and 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 pass it on, for sure. Oh. Yeah. That's a lovely thing about our know, happiness. If you can share it, that in turn you're doing good for someone else, and I think doing some good for yourself as well. It's got a vision of you sitting on a train boring someone about curry. <laughs> Some random stranger. Keep Hello, let me notes. tell you about curry. You know, they what? call them big crisps. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, folks. Well, wasn't that lovely? Love. Uh, happiness. Very happy. Um, let's see if you're happy now with a good review guide, finding the latest positive comments about big Finnish productions to help recommend them for you. And as promised this week, we're looking at the ninth Doctor Adventures Back to Earth. From Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, the ninth Doctor Adventures Back to Earth. Who are you? Me, I'm the Doctor. What Doctor? What do you mean? What's your name? Just the Doctor. Sorry, old girl, but nothing and no one gets inside our defences. I know you won't like it, and I probably won't either, but there is something very powerful and very malevolent down that rabbit hole, and we're going in after it. Oh, there's nothing more that I detest. Hello? Fine. Be spooky, then. (laughs) It's okay. Inside, quick. Then an uninvited... Get down! 
let me hold you in my arms. Oh, here he is now. Bit all right, isn't he? Hmm? So? Mandy Litherland. Oh, and there's so many of them coming from the walls. Technically, they are the walls, the floors, the doors, the lords and ladies of Fold's house. Big finish for the love of stories. Just go to bigfinish.com and type back to earth into the search pane at the top to find this one. It's a particular that's way you have to say it, don't you? Back, back to, to earth. earth. Sorry, uh, I interrupted you. Back to the number two. No, don't. No number twos. <laughs> um, first up, um, <laughs> uh, first up is whoreview.com with a dash in between the who yes. and the review. Back to Earth is a strong collection of stories taking the Ninth Doctor on three very different adventures on his favourite planets. Well performed throughout by Christopher Eccleston and the guest cast. This set is informative, exciting, emotional, and thought-provoking. And is brought to life by Helen Goldwyn's stellar direction, Howard Carter's score, and Ian Meadows's evocative sound design. Highly recommended. Four out of five. Lovely. I th- that felt more like a five out of five. I'm just saying. Yeah, uh, right. Blogtohu.com. It's uh, uh, the next guest star on the podcast, Peter Nolan. Legend. <laughs> Legend. Did you see him in the uh, the Go Compare adverts? He's had a real real no, career resurgence with that. Yeah, he's doing really well. Yeah. Is he with? Is he replaced the opera singer? Yeah. Well, he's he just says, "I'm Peter Nolan." Go compare, and everybody says, "Oh, it's that man from seventies telly." Oh, I trust him. Yeah, yeah. That's it. He doesn't do any of the singing. He just, you know, they, we just trust Peter Nolan. Simple. Keep it simple, Peter. Keep it simple. Yeah. Keep it Nolan. Yeah. <laughs> you can have that one. Go compare. <laughs> It's excellent. Um, Keep it right. simple. Uh, one of the most Keep remarkable things about Doctor Who Back to Earth, says Peter Nolan, Keep it simple, is how Christopher Eccleston sounds like he's hardly been away. Hopefully he sounds like he's quite near the microphone. Uh, he may claim in accompanying interviews that he now works harder to reach the same energy levels as in 2005, but you'd be forgiven for thinking this actually had been recorded back then. But he's aided by Big Finish's equal skill at finding the Ninth Doctor's distinctive voice on the page. Compassionate but steeled, flighty but deeply grounded. This is every inch the Doctor you remember, down to his Timberland boots. And with Back to Earth, adding Christopher Eccleston to the ranks of the Doctors who've now recorded more episodes with Big Finish than they did for TV, long may he continue. Oh, that's an interesting fact that had passed me by. But of course, it was bound to happen, I suppose, because he did so few on the television. It's true. It's true. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. Nice. That. I mean, that thing about sounding the same. Chris and I are the same. He may be a little bit younger than me, you know, and hopefully I don't sound ancient. So these days with people, I mean, once upon a time when you were when you went past 60, I think. You watch this in old TV shows, you know, people who are over 60 are portrayed as like, all right, then, yes, I'll just go and get a cup of tea, you know. <laughs> but that that doesn't happen till you're about 80 now because of, you know, advances in healthcare and our beautiful National Health Service. Um, so, yeah, I think we're still, you know, able to sound like our younger selves, even if we're in our 60s. 
Is it not a mindset as well that that you know? Whereas before you'd say, "Oh, I'm 60. You know, I'm old. I'm an old person. I'm on. Um, you know." Well, because well, I'm certainly whereas, in that mindset. <laughs> but it's a di- but it's a different type of mentality, though. If that yes. that thing of like when you were 60 in say 19, you know, in 1960, you were like, "Wow, he's a 60 old man." You know, whereas now 60 is like, well, you know, some of some of the uh, the most vibrant Hollywood actors turn 60 and and you don't even think about it mm. you know but somebody like keith richards you know he, he's 190 um and you never know um i just think and also i think you know i think for the most part anyway you probably won't notice the same because we're on audio so much yeah, that you yeah. just you get used to people it's like looking in the mirror every day isn't it you yes. just get used to oh, it uh, yeah certainly i mean you're right that the audio thing that's why i think the voice the voice can stay young. I mean, you know, and Tom Baker is is heading towards ninety now, and he uh, he largely. I mean, his voice has has aged a bit, but it's still essentially Tom's voice. That doesn't always happen with actors. Sometimes no. their voices change an awful lot. I mean, I think it's true to say that when uh, Peter Davison started doing Big Finish, his voice had already changed quite considerably from how it was when he was doing the TV show and a lot of people were very preoccupied with that for a time but everyone's got used to it now and I was just listening to a bit of Peter uh, recently you know and it, and he still even though his voice is blatantly older he gets that youthful energy into it you know and of course but, there are also a lot of younger actors who have older voices Jonathan it's an Carly. interesting thing with, <laughs> with or, mm, sorry Jonathan Carley well, there you go. Yeah. That's a really good point, isn't it? It's an interesting thing with audio casting that, you know, you really, it sounds obvious, you really do have to listen to how old someone sounds rather than how old they look or how old they are. You, it's all about the voice. Uh, yeah. Um, I think I finished reading that, didn't I? Sorry. Yes, you have. Well, Onwards well, with you. Talking about people with old voices, mm. uh, Ian McArdle. Um, no, I don't. I don't know what Ian McArdle <laughs> sounds like. Could be a, hello. Um, who knows? Uh, Coltbox.co.uk. Chris Eccleston's return as the Doctor continues apace, and his enthusiasm for the role is seemingly boundless. Uh, with some adroit casting, uh, director Helen Goldwyn give him a range of strong performances to play against. As ever, there are a few characters who would make excellent companions if only he was in the market for one. That's four stars and out of five, well, it's actually, you know, four blue stars and one white star. So I just, I mean, you know, I just think that's Ian McArdle's little hallmark, you know, four four stars and one white star. White star makes it to, makes it six. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, 90 stars. As you know, this is quite a complex science. Uh, Matthew Kressel from WarpedFactor.com says, whether you're a long-time fan, someone who missed out on the Ninth Doctor audios to date, or new to Big Finish, Back to Earth, which he's written in red text, interesting, has something to offer. For some, it's a perfect jumping-on point or a chance to say hello again to a favourite Doctor gone too soon. More than that, for a range that's gone from strength to strength, it's Big Finish's best Ninth Doctor release to date. With three more releases already announced, there's every chance it won't hold that title for long. Oh, that's nice. Thank that you, is Matthew. nice. Uh, well, we're on Twitter now. Adam A. Mm. Jenkins says, uh, just finished listening to Big Finish's Ninth Doctor set. Back to Earth. Well written and acted. One I will be listening to again and again. That's really a test of the success of any drama, whether it's on television or 
on audio, like, uh, you know, Ted Lasso on Apple TV ended uh, fairly recently and uh, uh, my Facebook friends and I were devastated. <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, my good friend Ellie Jones just said, I'm going straight back to the beginning. Can't be without <laughs> it. And it, I'm going to go through it again. That's that's shows. I, I mean, it? you know, I'm waiting. I'm waiting on getting uh, Amazon, um, Apple TV at some point to finish it. I haven't got round to it yet. I'm not. I'm just trying not to subscribe to as many things anymore. I'm done with it. I'm I'm done with subscription culture. Oh well, listen. There's there's an email about that later. Um, anyway, next week we take a look at the War Doctor Begins with starring our good friend Jonathan Carley, who's so beautifully wonderfully positive in the podcast earlier uh, and it's um, a set called Battlegrounds and for those of you who may have got lost in the podcast or just need a reminder here's a map um, still to come in the podcast listeners emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com and we'll be looking into some future releases from Big Finish plus the randomoid selectatron giving you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release rather lovely but first let's take a look at the latest from the Doctor Who audio novels range a rather beautiful piece of work entitled Prisoners of London, written and read by former Doctor Who companion Matthew Waterhouse. I'm Roland Moore and I'm script editor on the Doctor Who audio novels range. We've done it, said the Doctor, his note of astonishment blending triumph with disbelief. London 1982, as promised, Tegan. Tegan remained cool, arms folded. You've said that before, Doctor. Prisoners of London is our fifth release, and it's our second one from Matthew Waterhouse. I'm finding this range really interesting to do, really rewarding. It's not like anything else that we produce. It's not a full cast drama, and it's not a talking book. It's, it's this sort of brilliant hybrid that really allows you to sort of bring things off the page in a really immersive way. You know, they're all quite long novels, they're six, six, seven hours, um, but they're designed to be deep dives. You get all of the sort of atmosphere of full cast drama because we have so many sound effects, so many music cues, and yet you've got the single voice, in most cases, um, propelling the, the narrative. Hello, I'm David Richardson. I'm the producer of Doctor Who, the audio novel. So when I came to plan the audio novels initially, I wanted to include Matthew writing a fourth Doctor and Adric story. And that turned out so well. I was absolutely thrilled with what he delivered that I immediately got him underway on one for the fifth Doctor era. I mean, Matthew knows the characters of the fifth Doctor, Nissa, Teague and Adric so well it really was a no-brainer to have him involved. My name is Matthew Waterhouse. I've written a Doctor Who audio novel called Prisoners of London, which I've also read. Slowly, this planet is being reformed. In their innocence, the colonisers from the planet Earth thought the process would make a replica of their long-lost home. Terraforming. In fact, the process might better be called gelgforming developing a quite different atmosphere which will gradually become less and less pleasant for humans. With a Doctor Who story, you first of all have the, the TARDIS crew in this police box going somewhere, and first of all you have to decide where they're going. Finding the setting, placing them somewhere, 
somewhere interesting, somewhere an adventure can occur, somewhere there's a problem which the Doctor, through his intellect, will solve with the help of his friends. So that's the real, the key to it, is where are they going to go? What is this planet? Or in a historical drama, what period of history will it be? Once you have that, once you have that place, once the characters land on it and they begin to engage with the place, they hopefully come alive. They become living characters. And you can use the place to illuminate their temperaments, their different qualities, their different talents. Everything I try and do with uh, Doctor Who fiction is always to write towards the spirit of the the classic Doctor Who and to, to put to write the characters as they were so that everything you do as you listen, the listeners think, yes, that's Adric, that's right. From what we know about him, this makes sense that he would do that under these circumstances. This is how he would relate to Nyssa under these circumstances. This is how Nyssa relates to him. This is the way Tegan might behave. So it's a matter of remembering things they did on the show and, and, and trying to kind of enrich them and deepen them, but very much writing to the pure spirit of the show. Just go to bigfinish.com and type Prisoners of London into the search pane at the top to find this one. And that's released this Wednesday, the 5th of July. Ooh. And don't forget, you can hear a free 15-minute tease from Prisoners of London at the end of this podcast. Just reminding you. There you go. Thanks for putting that this in capitals, Nick. You lived up to last week's pledge. <laughs> I did, because you um, kept saying on Wednesday. I, it worked. It worked. Uh, well, meanwhile, it's time for... Listener's email. And you don't need to put that in capital, because it just draws <laughs> me in. Uh, and if you want to send your emails, you can send them in capitals, but it won't mm. it won't make much of a difference. You know, okay. just, we can't read out capitals. Um well, I suppose we can, but anyway, if you want to send them, send it to podcast at bigfinish.com. Get them in and we might just read it out. Uh, that's what Jules Thomas did. Uh, subject, thank you very, very, very much to both of you. Um, hi there, hi Nick there. and Benji. Hi there. Hi. I'm waiting on you, Nick, to say hi there. I've, I've said it several times. Obviously, Zoom cut it out. I've, no, I've, it, it, I've looked like you were try- it looked like you were trying to eat the microphone. All I could see is you kind of going. Oh, obviously, Zoom thought that it was. It thought it was. Uh, I was just going. Hi there. Hi there. Hi there. Hi there. Hi there. Hi. Um, this <laughs> is my first time emailing you, so I hope it's okay. No, it's it's not okay. It's absolutely not. That's wonderful. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Big Finish range, especially you two doing the podcast. Thank you very much. Uh, Since the 28th of March, I have been in and out of hospital being quite ill, and I only properly came home for good on Monday the 19th of June. And whilst I was in there, I kept listening to your podcast, and it really did cheer me up. Oh, Oh, thanks, Chew. Pleasure is all ours. Uh, So thank you very much, Nick and Benji. I really do appreciate it. And also thanks to everyone else as well, as I have also been listening to Doctor Who stuff, Space 1999 and Thunderbirds as well, which was great. So thank you. Cool, that's a, that's a winning bundle there, isn't it? If it ever is. there was one. Yeah. Uh, just to let you know, I also do have a CD player, which I use to play audiobooks on because I'm registered blind and I really enjoy your audio range. See, mm-hmm. that's a good point. We didn't even consider that. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. Uh, I've also been to uh, I've also been to quite a few conventions and met at least four of the people who've played Doctor Who. I even met you, Nick, in a lift once. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> Sounds like the start of a joke, doesn't it? 
I want to do a lift from Nick Briggs. There's one person I'd really like to meet, hopefully, and that's Tom Baker, as I grew up watching him. Well, you never know. Sometimes, never occasionally, know. Tom uh, does a, a little signing here or there. Uh, you have to keep your eyes peeled. It's See normally, if he's hiding in a lift or something. It's normally in the Sussex area. Um, <laughs> uh, so, once again, thank you for the love of stories. Super. Kind regards, Jules Thomas. Oh, that was lovely. Thank you. Very nice. uh, next up, Angela Newton has written in, in praise of funny, she says. Ahoy there, Nick and Benji. Yar, ahoy there. Yar. I'm looking forward to hearing how you both handle the ahoy there greeting. If you read out my email, please give it a bit of welly. I think you'll find it most satisfying. You're absolutely right, Angela. We did. I think, did you find that satisfying? Yeah, I think I think there was a, a welly in there. Certainly a slip-on garden shoe. <laughs> hey, he shall. Uh, as a fairly recent Big Finish convert, I started listening in one of the early lockdowns goodness i have a particular weakness for productions which prioritize comedy alongside the drama i've always been a comedy lover and i find myself reaching for the play button when i need a story that really lifts me i'm primarily a torchwood listener and my favorite productions that really deliver on comedy are the last beacon serenity five people you kill in middlesbrough and expectant in less skilled hands, the dryness of some of the one-liners wouldn't land in the face of the drama. But the great performances that the casts turn in really make these a joy for the ears. Ah, listen to that, folks. Finally, just a word on the Dewey Decimal System. <laughs> I'm a trained academic librarian, so I'm absolutely qualified to comment. Basically, all you need to know is that it's a terrible classification system for books. <laughs> Hopelessly out of date and complicated. By far the most superior classification system is the LEED system, which is also in place at the London School of Economics. I'm happy to provide more information if you feel you need it. You don't need it. It's terribly boring. <laughs> <laughs> and she finishes by saying, Avast! <laughs> Avast there, Avast, Avast behind! <laughs> There's no need for that. Um, Thank you, but, Angela. Uh, that was yes. lovely. Just goes to show, isn't it? Dewey Decimal System has maybe had its day. I remember I had to learn all about that at school, and it was, indeed, terribly boring. Well, I mean, can you remember the basis of it? I can't really. It's to do with. It's basically just a way of finding books, and you or you have to go to either the librarian or a computer, and um, and by working out the decimals, you can work out precisely what type of book is where in the library. Um, I remember doing the cards filing system when I was at drama school, and that's how you'd look up books. You know, you just go to all these this vast bank of little drawers and pull them out. You know. Oh, yeah, that was in, um, like, in Ghostbusters, where uh, they're in that first bit and the ghost blows all the cards out. Well, Here we go. Yeah. Dewey Decimal Classification is structured around ten main classes covering the entire world of knowledge. Each main class is further structured into ten hierarchical uh, divisions, each having ten divisions of increasing specificity. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Um, so, for example, if you want, if you want, me to death. <laughs> if you want to access uh, encyclopedias in Scandinavian language, yes. you go to 030 for encyclopedias, and then uh, 038 for encyclopedias in Scandinavian languages. Well, there I mean, we I think this is proof that we all think in a different way. You know, it, yeah. You know what I mean? So, uh, and and but hopefully there are no people left who who think in that way. I, I like the system of going <laughs> up to the librarian and just saying, "I want this book. Where is it?" And they say, yeah, over good. there. And I say, Great. they look it up. 
Right, on yeah. their microfiche. On their BBC microcomputer. Um, or an acorn. Uh, finally, we've got one from Clive Lewis here with the subject of compact discs. Uh-huh. Um, it always brings me great joy to see discs spelt with a C as opposed to a K. Because mm. um, it's quite often spelt with a K, and I think you know nothing. Oh, well, you um, know what I was taught when I was uh, working for magazines? I was taught that with the spelt with a C, it's audio. Spelt mm. with a K, it's a computer. It's a computer disc. That is very interesting. I don't know whether that's true, but that's let's, what I was taught, and that was the in-house this. style. Yeah. Floppy, di- yeah, disc is with a K on a computer. Of course, it is like disc because space. it's American. You see, and Americans spell disc with a K anyway, don't they? Or hard disc, and of course, floppy disc with a K, uh, or floppy diskette. Uh, yes, that's why it comes from diskette, which is spelled with a K. Isn't that interesting? That well, is- I mean, marginally. I find that I do find that interesting. It's the type of thing that's you never think about because you mostly don't care doesn't make um, you more happy than curries though does it no it doesn't curry spelt with an x um <laughs> sorry um felicitations messrs briggs and clifford um well, i hope you. you're both doing well my yeah. gosh it's like the planet sun out there uh-huh. yes uh, not today though no but it has been hasn't it very hot in the uk today it's more like a car charat. um just sort of wet and not very nice. Uh, in answer to your question, I'm... That's really uh, niche, that. Karsharat, that's from the, the genocide machine, isn't it? You're, you're welcome. Um, I can only remember that because Sylvester McCoy could never pronounce it. Car, car something. And they were the Karsharatans as well, and he kept calling them the Karsharatans. <laughs> the Karsharatans. Kasha, I said, I'm really sorry, Sylvester, we'll have to do that again. Oh, no. <laughs> anyway <laughs> well, there we go uh, in answer to your question I'm a massive advocate of physical media okay. this comes from having simply been caught out too many times uh, by the following scenarios uh, record a program on your skybox or equivalent to keep forever as a completist only for the box to pack up and need replacing yep that's happened you- to me with the BT box how many times with a, how many times do you get a missed start that's infuriating isn't it um, or it stops halfway through and you think, great, I've lost the end of Emmerdale. Um, I don't tape Emmerdale. Um, never <laughs> have. Does? Um, uh, buy and download albums on your phone only for the phone to be lost or you change your contract and lose everything. Um, well, I mean, another thing is buying things in general online now. They can be edited and changed. So mm-hmm. you can buy a lovely program only to find that secretly they cut out scenes and modify it and you think well this isn't actually what i paid for mm. um tv and radio programs oh no you missed would... that have a massive amazon playlist oh i'm sorry have a massive amazon playlist that suddenly due to an account update deletes itself oh, yeah no. True. happens tv and radio programs you would previous have previously have had on cd or dvd disappearing off the iplayer or streaming service or being available but heavily edited yeah That's there we the go point you made yeah. you know and what about things as well like certain television shows on streaming platforms that don't get a physical media release they get taken away and then they're just gone they're mm. gone you know uh, yeah, they I'm give it with one hand, into, they take yeah, it away with the other. Media. I mean, that's what, you know, Stephen Noonan, who we seriously must have back on. I, yeah. You know, I, I wanted to invite him today, but I know he needs more preparation time with his tech. So sorry about that, Stephen. Uh, Should have got you on today. That would have been fun. But um, uh, yeah, very much a physical media man. And he's sort of converting me to it for all these reasons, really. 
Yeah. Well, you know, it's like this, this, you know, there's a big hoo-ha about Star Trek, the home of Star Trek, you know, Paramount Plus this mm. week and how they're, you know, cancelling various things and, you know, and, and things what get put doing? I can't, I don't know the whole story of it all, but they've certainly cancelled one of the series and, you know, it's it's all behind a paywall now, but of course they can just take it all away if they want, you know. Is it is it all coming out on physical media, the Star Trek stuff? I mean, it, it has been out on physical media for years, so it's not... No, no, problem. well, I mean, um, oh, you're talking about old Star Trek. I'm talking about all the new Star Trek series. I don't know. They? That's okay. a very good... That is a very good question. Should we get someone I mean, on here who does know. There's somebody who knows what's going on. But, you know, it's <laughs> it's like all those things. I, I've i just sort of decided, really, that actually, you know, physical media is good. And especially when you can do things like you can digitise your collection, put it on a private server. So it's like Netflix. You physically own it. But you have the ac- you have the accessibility of uh, modern technology because I'm just sick of I don't like the idea of things being taken away from me, mm, you know. Mm. Especially when you feel you've paid. Well, quite you know you paid your subscription, but it's it's very uh, ephemeral, isn't it? Yeah. Or even things being edited to reflect modern day views. As somebody that loves old entertainment, old TV, you watch things with knowledge that they might they might retrospectively have things that you don't agree with. But in some ways, watching it back as an artefact of a certain time mm. shows us how far we've come as human beings and how tolerant we are of things now and how attitudes have changed. And I just don't think that editing things to reflect that actually is... I don't think that's progress. I think it's the opposite of progress. I know, it sort of has the whiff of book burning about it, doesn't it? It's sort of it like does. eradicating the things that you don't agree with. But, you know, and you... You have, that's exactly, I'm really repeating what you said. I think we have to acknowledge that we have developed and have come far, but the only way you can do that is if you can still see the past as it actually was rather than a sort of edited version of it to fit your current views. You know, it's, it's people are shocked when they find out that some of their heroes had bigoted and prejudices of their own. Mm. And, and they think, oh, they're, they're an awful person. You think, well, they grew up in a certain time where that's just the way things were. It doesn't excuse their their thoughts and certainly doesn't excuse actions that people have done, uh, actions that people have taken in the past. But if you look upon that, you learn from it and you, you look at our society, you say, okay, you say we've we've done brilliantly. Equally, it makes you look and think, well, we've still got a way to go. Yeah, that I time. Think that's so, so put. Yeah. and going back to to media in general, that's the thing. Editing programs like that, you know, it's. Um, I think it's it worries me and it concerns me, but also but concerns it's like you're me punishing that people for not being remarkable. You know, hardly anyone is remarkable, and most people adopt the prevailing attitudes of their time. You know, absolutely. Uh, I mean, there will come a time, I'm sure, when uh, people will look back and condemn people for eating meat, and that will be beyond the pale, you know. But well, the whole of the Oneidan line has just been cancelled. <laughs> That's all they ever do is eat. Um, eat meat, presumably. Well, I mean, it, certainly on those ships. Um, Bully beef, yes. You know, that that's just the thing. I think it's it's important. It's something that means a lot to me. There'll be people out there that disagree. But I just don't like the idea that things can be changed. You know, it's it's it, from a big Finnish context. It'd be like having our CD releases that are now out of print and us heavily editing the downloads and then people saying, well, hold on a minute. You know, I it, this is different to what other people have experienced. And there's that level of thing, you know, it, it becomes complicated. Um, 
It feels a bit like 1984, doesn't it? You know, when they, yeah, you know, it's yeah. it's let's let's perfect the language until until everybody is saying what we want them to say and thinking what they want us to think. You know, mm. in the words of um, Life of Brian, you have to make up your own mind and think for yourself um, and come to your own conclusions. Which is exactly what is in this email by Clive Lewis because it says here conclusion. Uh, if it's on my shelf on a shiny disc, whether it's uh, whether it's CD, DVD, Blu-ray, or whatever happens, I can pick it up and play it. Plus, as a collector, I can just stand there and look at all the precious things, thinking nothing in the world can stop me now. <laughs> um, don't we all? Well, you know, I've got crates in my my attic of DVDs and things like that, and I never open them. But the knowledge mm. that I have them is brilliant because I think, well, you know. I can I can grab that at some point. I would say though that um, the digital downloads, you know, you own those. They don't disappear. If if Big Finish was to vanish in a puff of smoke tomorrow, you'd still have your digital downloads. Depends. I mean, you wouldn't it be able to, on the company. Yeah, if you didn't have them downloaded, no, you wouldn't be able to download them again because we'd have disappeared. But um, well, actually, we would have made some provision for this. But do you see what I mean? We're streaming. That's the. But it's interesting. The number of people quite. A, a large number of people consistently ask us to do a streaming service and you know because they prefer that but what they're asking for is that potential ephemeral thing because it's it's only available to you as long as the delivery service to stream on exists anyway you know it's it's and it's it's very difficult you know that's why it's good back things up back things up and back them again it's useful it's also useful for when you know sometimes I mean, not that that will happen at Big Finish, because uh, it just won't. But, you know, look at Doctor Who and its past there of uh, things being missing. And it's it's those... Well, just deliberately wiping them, yeah. Deliberately wiping them. And it's those wonderful uh, people who are immortalised in Doctor Who history who made recordings and were out at, you know, backing things up and doing things like that, that we have a complete, at least, audio not including that one little bit in the uh, abominable snowman um we have the complete audio what is the one little bit there's like <laughs> there's like a there's like a five second dropout when patrick Troughton's talking that doesn't actually exist um yeah there we go i didn't know that yeah just a tiny just a tiny little section that doesn't actually exist wow um i don't think he says anything particularly interesting but um you know, it's there. Um, I have a CD player in the kitchen, and I've currently got a car with a CD player. I'm re-listening to the original War Doctor series and Doom Coalition. My daughter also has a CD player in her bedroom for borrowing my big finished CDs. We well love done. to see that. Uh, do I listen to my purchases on the Big Finish app? Yes, of course I do. It's so convenient when using my headphones. Do I totally see why digital releases come out first? Yes, uh, completely. And I often listen on the release day, especially to Once and Further. Once and Future, but, I think. Oh, yeah, that's Once and Future, isn't it? Mm. Once and Further is the spin-off series with Felicity Kendall. Um, <laughs> but uh, when I want to <laughs> bask in um, a soundscape and be immersed in Big Finish, I like it on CD. 
playing from my DVD player on my television soundbar. Yeah, soundbars are wicked. Uh, I guess I just love getting my dr- my grubby little protuberances on uh, physical media. Uh, also, they make great casters or shaving mirrors. No! Um, <laughs> they're good in the garden, aren't they? You know, when people put discs up to reflect light on plants. Oh, is um, that what they do? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it We've scares been putting wh- mirrors in our garden. I think they scare away the seagulls, don't they? By flashing um. light around. Um, look, I get it. I really do. But as long as you can still realistically release CDs, please continue. Okay. Um, P.S. My grandmother was really looking forward to At A Girl when it was announced, but just couldn't fathom it not being on a CD uh, or really want to listen any other way. So sadly, never got to hear it. Yeah. Um, Did you not play it to her on your computer? You could burn the, the MP3s to a CD. You could. Um, and then bounce it a cassette just for fun. Um, uh, as a suggestion, why not look into releasing collections on limited edition data sticks uh, in MP3 format? Mm. Um, probably going to be so so complicated and to do that. Um, I know, probably... but I've often thought that would be a good idea. But yeah, there are a number of logistical problems to overcome. Is I think a fair way of putting that. Uh, thanks so much for the hours of listening pleasure, Clive Lewis. Thank you, Clive. That was a lovely email and mm. provoked a lot of uh, mostly relevant um, comment from Benji and I, I feel. Yeah. yeah. Do you feel that's fair? I agree. Okay. All right. Well, that's it for the emails. Uh, we look forward very much to reading more next week. And of course, we realise that regular listeners will know that the Randomoid Selectatron is preparing itself at this very moment, promising a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. And just a reminder that we'll also be teasing you with the first 50 minutes of Prisoners of London. The latest Doctor Who audio novel released this Wednesday, the 5th of July. Ah, you see, putting this in capitals works every time. Yeah, yeah, it works, you see. (laughs) But first, let's look ahead to what's coming up in the future! So, here we are, taking a look at releases still to come this month. First up, Torchwood Among Us Part 3. Here's the trailer. And tomorrow we'll be seeing how Margaret from Lowestoft is getting on with her margarine statue of Gemma Collins. Don't miss us on Janet's late tea. This is Torchwood. The world is ending tomorrow, and you all know why. From Big Finish Productions, Torchwood Among Us 3. You are Torchwood. I know what you have done. I know who you have loved. I know who you have lost. Is there anything more? We're ordinary people living ordinary lives. You hashtags are dying. Um, Whatever it is you call yourselves, something's killing you. Do you think the world is ending tonight? On my show? (laughs) Not when we booked Giles Brandreth. You're being manipulated and tortured are the only people who can save the world. Finished. I rather think we are, don't you? Take aim. Fire. Love me, bullets! Why are you so interested in dead coin? The militaries of the world are bidding on an ultimate weapon. This is a bad thing. I'm a tank, you're a moped. My name's Yvonne Hartman and no one is stopping me. But they'll catch up with us. Maybe, but we're tortured and we keep going until they do. Big finish. 
for the love of stories. Come for the apocalypse, stay for the reasonable Christmas gifting tips. Also, Unit Nemesis 4 Masters of Time featuring Missy. Here's the trailer for that. From Big Finish Productions, The Worlds of Doctor Who, Unit Nemesis, Masters of Time. No! I said something might turn up. Well, it just did. Oh, no, you don't. Jake Cover! The situation isn't under control. If you're working with Missy, you can't trust her. She's a means to an end. Yes, many alien leaders have said that before. No! Take that thing away from me! No! No! Well, no need to be so rough. Looks like you've got a new cellmate. Kate, we're a few thousand years back in Earth's history. Incroyable! To disappear! Uh, could I come? No. Michelle, sometimes we do know things, and I know you're needed here. You're about to meet a truly evil mastermind. Mistress mind, surely. What prisoners? Kate Stewart and one of our people, Carter. You had Kate Stewart as a prisoner and didn't tell me. Big finish for the love of stories. Missing you already. Bye! Don't you dare cut me up! And the second Doctor Adventures, James Robert McCrimmon. No trailer is available yet, but here's an exclusive tantalizing clip. Be silent for James Robert McCrimmon, the Laird of McCrimmon. Wait, this isn't right. This, this never happened. So there you go. That was massively exclusive. My head of marketing will be absolutely appalled that we've released that without it being uh, previewed on social media or anything. But you know, sometimes you've just got to put something out there. Really sorry that the uh, the second Doctor <laughs> Adventures uh, Volume Two, James Robert McCrimmon, is. Um, it's, we're down to the wire with the release. It will go out in uh, July, but uh, let me tell you this. I'm waiting to hear the final edits of the third story in it as we speak. Um, I've heard the first episode, but not the second episode. And, uh, and then the music needs to be put on. So Toby Hritzek Robinson has quite a task on his hand in the following week. So while you're listening to this email, he'll probably be slaving away doing the music. Uh, uh, and then we continue with our amazing Doctor Who 60th anniversary release, Once and Future, a genius for war. Genius. From Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, Once and Future, a genius for war. This is Davros calling Gallifrey. Repeat, this is Davros calling Gallifrey. The General. I have been appointed to conduct your briefing. I was in the middle of something, you know. But no, pluck me out of time, drag me halfway across the universe without so much as a bio leave. We wouldn't use the time scoop to bring you here unless your presence was absolutely unavoidable. The Dalek Emperor has accused me of treason. 
I trust Davros about as far as I could throw him. Instead, I have been incarcerated on Falcus, the first moon of Scardo. He must be desperate. Liberate me from captivity, and I will help you defeat the Daleks. You think it's a trap? I wish to be rescued by the Time Lord known as the Doctor. So, now I know why I'm here. To save Davros. Get going, shall we? Dalek units to disembark and secure Focus Morn! The Matrix has predicted the time war can only end with mutual extinction. You can appreciate that we are eager to avoid that outcome. The Matrix can be wrong. The Matrix predicted the war. The TARDIS passed through a temporal breach. I offer you the means to end the time war. I offer you Big finish for the love of stories. Your appearance corresponds with the Time Lord known as the Doctor. You are the enemy of the Daleks! It's the first line on my CV. Current employment, the oncoming storm. Still in the world of time travel, but outside of the Doctor Who universe, don't forget to delve into the time bubble of Time Slip. Uh, original, uh, originally a 1970s ITV series, Big Finish has woven a whole new audio chapter of Big Finish has woven a whole new audio chapter of adventures for this much-loved classic. Just go to bigfinish.com and type in "time slip." That's all one word uh, to discover the full range. And here's the trailer for the latest release: A Life Never Lived. Dun 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 dun. There's a barrier, a time barrier. We go through it, and within seconds, we'd be in another time. From Big Finish Productions, Time Slip, a life never lived. For too long, we've been lenient on lawbreakers and. Uh, Equal rights for women! Look at this one. Women's suffrage meeting. The date of the meeting is 10th of January 1914. The fact is that our methods have become extreme. Don't you see? It's more serious than that. This is a women's rights thing, yeah? But they crush us. They force-feed us. They break our teeth. They beat us. We need to work out, is this an alternative past, a different time phase? And more prosaically, how do we survive here until the barrier reappears? And each assault makes us angrier. Each assault makes us want to cause havoc. It's no way for civilized people to behave. Well, we could be arrested and sent to prison. Are you interested? It sounds too dangerous. We've joined the women's suffrage movement. This is beginning to feel like a row of dominoes. We've knocked over the first one, and we've no clue as to what it will knock over next. Big finish for the love of stories. What have we done?
And that's it for our sneaky peek at what's coming up later this month of July 2023. Uh, just a reminder that you can have your own sneaky peek into the future by going to bigfinish.com and clicking the What's New button at the top. And then you can go through month by one month, if I could say month. Months uh, by f- months. <laughs> months. <laughs> Lots of Single months. Single I, I, I think I said month or lunch. Month. Uh, month. Anyway, month by month. You just click the, um, the arrow bar. That's why I was distracting right with and you just keep going on month by month to find out I like saying it now uh, to find out what's coming up in the future it's a lovely voyage of discovery well that was rather exciting wasn't it and you know what else is exciting the random words electron oh you've got to say that you keep breaking my script sorry sorry <laughs> I'm just I'm just a menace what how are we gonna do it then I'll just do that again. All right. In the meantime, it's... The Randomoid Selectatron, where we randomly select a big finish release and offer you a 25% discount on it. I think that's the fastest I've ever said it. That was very quick. Uh, It's touch and go, you know, it's touch and go, whether it actually comes out right. It's like baking. It's (laughs) like, yeah, you know, if you've ever made a... um, What are those things called? That Souffle. Right, souffle, yeah. It's just like that, you know. Very difficult. Um, so what have we got? I'm, I'm well, ready and poised to type in the title. Well, Ran is, you know, absolutely on topic here with The Yes Men, the, the Second yes. Doctor story. Wow, yeah, because we were talking about the Second Doctor. 2.1 is... to be precise. Wow, there you go. Written this by is from Simon Gurrier, starring Annika Wills and Fraser Hines and Elliot Chapman as The Doctor, Jamie, Polly and Ben. That sounded like Elliot Chapman's playing The Doctor, Jamie, Polly and Ben, but I know what you mean. <laughs> Maybe he is. Who knows? It's got um, Jane Slavin in it as well. Yeah. Legend. And the brilliant late lamented Stephen Critchlow. Brilliant. Um, here's the trailer. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Doctor Who. The early adventures. The Yes Men. No one home. No one anywhere, Ben. It's all very hot. You want to investigate. Don't you? Ah! Oh, well, uh, no no bones broken at least. And and we're in. The acting prime designate is on her way here with security. You'll be sent for full data extraction. Can you tell me how she died? Accessing data from CIB. Mekarvos' death was due to myocardial infarction. I'm back at Culloden. This time, different. Trigantour! Carvos's death was due to an ischemic stroke. Now, hey, let them go. The Prime Designate says that if we advance, she will kill the hostages. You've got to do something. We are following the data extracted from your brain. What was it that killed her? Carvos's death was due to malignant neoplasia. A city. A city under the ground. How long have you not been down? The city was established 12.8 years ago, citizen. She died of cancer. A heart attack and a stroke. Yes, citizen. We think you can teach us. We dissect the operative parts of your head. Bring the human. No, 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 no wait. You, you don't need to slice me. I, look, I can tell you what you want to know. Hey, hey, hey. Big finish. We love stories. Yeah, so nice 25% off on that. Well, listen, while I email Jackie Emery, content manager at Big Finish, to inform her of our random selection 
so yeah. that she can set the offer live on the bigfinish.com website. Benji, uh, could you give a Patrick Allen, Barrett Holmes style account of how to get your 25% discount? It would be a pleasure. Just go to bigfinish.com. Once you're on bigfinish.com, head across to the podcast page. On there, underneath the picture of myself, Patrick Allen, and Nicholas Briggs, click Read More. When you read more, it will give you the blurb for the latest podcast. On the blurb, it says, click here and enter the code Barrett Holmes. No, it doesn't say that. It says, buck up. That's B-U-C-K-U-P. Enter that and I shall arrive at your house in a helicopter with your 25% discount. Barrett Holmes, we are here for you. Amazing. Barrett Holmes. I'm also in Blackadder. Series one. Great choice, Ran. Next week's podcast will feature Unit Nemesis 4, Masters of Time. Beyond exciting, naturally. In the meantime, it only remains for me to say, this edition of the Big Finish podcast was presented by me, Benji Clifford, and him, Nick Briggs. Nick also wrote, produced, and edited it. Also, huge thanks to our guest stars, Heather Challens, John Ainsworth and Jonathan Carley. And of course, Benji and I did this for the love of stories. And finally, on the Big Finish podcast, the Doctor Who audio novels Prisoners of London, written and performed by Matthew Waterhouse. <laughs> Big Finish presents Doctor Who, Prisoners of London, written and read by Matthew Waterhouse. A human woman waited impatiently at the wheel of an all-terrain vehicle. She was in her late forties, dressed in a denim jacket, a denim skirt and black leather boots. Brown hair with streaks of grey hung straight to her shoulders, elongating her already long, narrow face. She watched the skies overhead for a sign of the moon shuttle. It was due into the spaceport within the hour. Please, please be on time. She could not bear to think it might be late. After all these long, empty months, she was desperate to see her son. There were many other vehicles of numerous types and times in the short-term car park. Sleek sports cars, apparently, of 1950s and 60s vintages, a late 50s Armstrong Sidley, a blue supercar from the late 21st century, and an open-topped 1920s luxury car. Every so often, another was driven in, the engine killed. People went through the door marked arrivals, but Ziana had been instructed to remain in her vehicle. With its chunky green chassis, its big wheels and fat tires, it was more suited to long journeys over woodland and deserts than the city streets. She'd never driven anything like it. The driver's seat was higher off the road than she was used to. The vehicle had stalled twice as she drove out of the rental place. But now she was here, at the Gatwick spaceport, simply waiting. There was a gentle rap on the front passenger window. It wasn't him, her son, of course, not yet. She unlocked the door and a figure climbed in. 
It wore a blackout shield, as she had been instructed it would, so to her eyes it was an animated three-dimensional shadow. Whether man, woman or non-binary, human or alien, she could not tell. Hello, Ziana, said a flat, filtered voice. Hello, she said. She felt shy, like a girl on a blind date. A shadow hand reached into a shadow pocket and pulled out a compupad. It pressed a few buttons and a photograph came up. This is him. The face of her son looked out at her, tired and unsmiling. Prisoner 33521M. Yes. Her throat constricted. She could hardly get the word out. It came on her breath. Everything has gone smoothly. He's on the flight. It looks like the ship will land early and he'll be with you in 40 minutes. All she could say with a gulp was, Thank you. Thank you. She wanted to cry. You understand what you must do. I've gone over it several times. Good. Good. There was a moment of silence. I will leave you then. The passenger door opened and the shadow stepped onto the tarmac. Thank you for everything, said Ziana. The shadow did not look back. Ziana glanced skywards. Dusk was falling and a small twinkling object moved against the browning light. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. Now I wonder what you A rhyme from the deep, deep past. So old it was, some said, a song of dead, distant earth. The twinkling light accelerated. Ziana gripped the steering wheel and waited for her son. Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. Tegan Javanka intoned this rhyme, familiar to most of those who had passed their childhood on the planet Earth in the 20th century, while looking at the TARDIS scanner screen, which was in fact showing not one little twinkling star, but a multitude. It's not like you to wax poetic, said the alien she knew as the Doctor. That's poetry, said Adric, who was, of all impossible things, a boy from another universe. Up above the world so high, like a dewdrop in the sky. It's diamond, I think, said the doctor. But I like dewdrop, inspired. Inspired, see? Tegan stuck her tongue out at the far-travelled boy. So there, clever clogs. Adric grinned puckishly. He was young, no more than sixteen. Short, dark-haired, humanoid, though not human and not like a human. He was by nature cerebral, his intellect discernible in his dark but fiery eyes. He wore green trousers and green boots and a yellow top. On his left breast pocket, a blue gold-edged star twinkled in the light. Twinkle, twinkle. This was a badge for mathematical excellence awarded to him on his home planet. Like all outstanding teenagers, he was a blend of the confident and the insecure. He knew very well how intelligent he was. This was unsurprising given his hothouse upbringing. But as has been observed by the thoughtful, it is necessary to be grateful for the gifted young. Without them there will be no gifted adults, and without gifted adults the universe would be in even worse shape than it is. Consumed by numbers, Adric had spent much of his time alone, and like an adopted cat who had once been feral, he was not wholly socialised. 
Tegan, a woman almost comically proud of her non-intellectuality, the salt of the earth as she saw herself, though perhaps others would have preferred less salt, found him intermittently adorable, but more often difficult and infuriating. She disliked the way he could make her feel small. She could not judge how far he was or was not aware of his air of what she took to be condescension. In truth, he had no cruelty in him, but had not yet grasped how what was limpid and beautiful for him should be baffling and incomprehensible to a less agile mind. Further, he was intellectually an adventurer, and she was, she knew herself well enough to acknowledge this, though only to herself, a woman of routines, of simple tastes, of modest ambitions, a good job, a nice house, a nice boyfriend, a noisy game show on the telly, potpourri on the sideboard, and on a warm afternoon in a hammock, a cosy, predictable paperback, found not in a bookshop, but on a newsagent's spinner of no more than 125 pages. She was, in short, ordinary, which was itself extraordinary in the TARDIS, where the truly extraordinary was as common as twinkling stars. Here she was surrounded by intellectuals, having never before met one, and she was not sure she liked them. The clever person in her social circle on Earth had been the one who could add up dart scores fast. She had been about to embark on the job of flight attendant for an international airline before she had been swept away in this battered time machine. Her job, which had been the pinnacle of adventure and sophistication as deduced from glossy magazines and TV commercials through which her sense of the world had been shaped. Ever hopeful of finding her way back to London, to Heathrow Airport, 1982, to her job. She still wore the airline's lavender uniform, which she took care to keep pristine, Elegant jacket with wide lapels, short skirt, black shoes kept polished. The doctor raised his head and looked for a second as if he might burst into song. Instead, he began to recite. Twinkle, twinkle, little bat, how I wonder what you're at. Up above the world you fly like a tea tray in the sky. Lewis Carroll, you'd have admired him, Adric, a brilliant mathematician from Earth. Nice man, deeply imaginative, rather strange. It seems all mathematical so-called geniuses are rather strange, said Tegan. She pointed at Adric's star-shaped badge. Twinkle, twinkle, little star, brighter than the rest by far. Good at adding two to two. He thinks it makes me smart. Do you? Adric threw her the driest sort of grin. I'm so looking forward to discussing the vectors, bivectors and scalars in the formula M equals alpha plus A plus F plus BI plus beta I, so when you've finished your cup of tea, perhaps we can start. Tegan's reply was a slurping noise as she swallowed milky tea. Oh, Tegan, you can make a lorry driver look like a duchess, said the doctor. Of course, she was careful not to spill any on her uniform. Twinkle, twinkle, little plane, Tegan's at Heathrow again. Adric burst out laughing, as did Nyssa, the other member of the quartet of travellers who had been watching the low-level bickering with detached amusement. The doctor merely twinkled. I wish, said Tegan, slurping again. So do we all, Tegan, said the boy. So do we all. Mrs. spoke up for the first time. Twinkle, twinkle, little plate, how I wonder what you ate. Everyone was silent for a second, until the doctor said, Well done, Nissa. Well done. Another silence followed. Then everybody laughed, unconvincingly and a bit too late. A princess from a now-dead planet called Traken. Nyssa could be as high-handed as young Adric. 
She was just that few years older which made her a young woman while he was still a boy, and having spent much of her life observing the bustle of Trakan politics and its negotiations, she was better with people, could contain her disdain more easily. Dressed in elegant purple top and trousers, she looked as expensively dressed as any princess could wish to be. Her hair was attractively ringleted. Much more practical than Adric, while he dreamed of numbers, she could roll up her sleeves and construct an engine. Mostly their friendship was that of a smart, down-to-earth older sister and a brainy, distracted younger brother who needed looking after, though, of course, coming from different universes, they were just as alien to each other as Tegan was to them. For Adric, this friendship was important and stabilising. On account of Nissa's practical streak, she handled Tegan quite well, and Tegan liked her. She may have been alien and she may have been too bright for her own good, as Tegan perceived it, but Nissa was a person you could chat with about hairstyles and makeup, while Adric sometimes seemed as abstract as his numbers, an elusive mist. And then there was the being called the Doctor, the self-proclaimed owner of this battered and inefficient timecraft called the TARDIS. A Time Lord from a planet called Gallifrey, he was so impossibly strange that he could, near death, reform his whole physical being, as the trio had witnessed. Now he looked like he might be in his late twenties, though he was approaching a thousand years old. Often his oldness and oddness could be detected, because below the youthful surfaces there was nothing about him of a man in his late twenties. He had sandy hair and wore a long, light beige coat and striped trousers and plimsolls, as if about to play a rather affected game of cricket. Cricket was a game which Tegan found immensely boring, in this she agreed with Adric, but knew that her country was reputed to be good at it. Bizarrely, there was a stick of fresh celery, renewed daily, attached to the doctor's coat's left lapel, for what reason no one knew. It certainly had nothing to do with cricket. Perhaps it was purely decorative. He spoke in a breathy rush as if his thoughts moved faster than speech. Tegan gazed at her three friends, the mathematical boy, the practical smart girl, the incomprehensible time traveller. She slurped the last dregs of tea, making a disgraceful noise. Did she belong with these people? She could not say that she did. Oh, to be back on earth, flying the friendly skies, beef or chicken, sir. The weather in London is pleasant, ladies and gentlemen. Just a mild breeze from the south. Prepare for landing. Big finish for the love of stories.